Now you can rent all new releases or anything else for five days. Really? Yeah, so you can just enjoy it at your own pace. At other video stores, you only get one day on new releases. So you can't enjoy it because you're too worried about getting it back on time. And then you got to fly out the door in order to get to the video store before it closes. And the clock is ticking, the phone is ringing, the late fees are piling up so high. He's really into special effects. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Hollywood Video Guys podcast, a really rootin' tootin' episode today, because we are going to be focusing on westerns for this episode. But before we start, let me go ahead and introduce everybody uh, to the show. So first, we have uh, Randy. Say hi, Randy. Hello. <laughs> we have Don. Say hi, Don. Hi, everyone. There a little go. bit more exciting than Randy, I guess. Yeah, then. yeah. Yeah, well, just, just keeping the pace, you know. Gotcha. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. Gotta make Narrative. Sure. Measuring Narrative this out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, before we start, you guys seen any good movies lately? Well, um, I saw two great movies recently, but they weren't new with our discussion with Terminator. <laughs> I ended up watching right. Terminator 1 and 2 all over again, and uh, they're still fantastic movies, still incredible, so despite good. their age. So good. We'll have to do a podcast. We'll have to oh, definitely. Podcast. I'll, I will dissect that beyond belief. We'll yeah, that, that, we could talk for hours on that without any sort of outline whatsoever. Oh, we should do a podcast where we can only watch not T1 or T2. Oh, I was going to watch the whole series. <laughs> yeah. watch, like, and then like see out of those which ones we yeah. like the most. So, yeah, we have to watch like all, all of the non-Terminator, uh, like good Terminator movies. Yeah. Those all, all stand the test of time, though. Those two. Oh, yeah. Terminator 2, you've known Mike I, I, yeah. and Randy. I've told you guys that's like number two on my list of movies ever. It's so good. Ever. And the, yeah, and, and the holiest grail for me. That's right around where it's at for me, too. For, for the longest time, that was my favorite movie. That, mm-hmm. that like minigun helicopter scene <laughs> is like a core memory for me in my life. Like That I, was definitely a scene. And then... Um, I always love when uh, Dyson, towards the end, he's, oh, yeah. he's, 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 he's yeah, he's like, <laughs> and then I, I then, hold on, much longer, and then I got older and I realized yeah. the immense symbolism of him holding the prototype was like of the chip, yeah, right, yeah, pieces, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. he slams it on the C4 to detonate the whole building, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, James, James Cameron. Yeah. It still didn't matter, apparently. No, <laughs> that exactly. That's why we need to do a podcast for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's our teaser for the for what we're gonna do next. Uh, how about you, Randy? See any good movies? Um, I saw Guardians three like two, three weekends ago. Great movie. It was Great. really, really good. Really good. Um, I have not watched a whole lot other than the the movies that we're talking about due uh, to uh, Zelda, Street Fighter, yeah, uh, various TV shows that were coming to an end. The Guardians three is a good example of when people said that you couldn't do like comic book movies anymore because they're getting tired. And it's like, no, you just can't do bad comic book movies no, anymore. Yeah, you never could do bad comic movies. Like so. if you do if you do ones that are the same thing over and over again, like uh, Black Adam's a great example, where it's like fine and if that came out in 2006, I would have been like this is awesome, you know, but now you can't do that stuff anymore. You need to have coherent, like like good stories. Yeah, if it came out in two thousand six, what would a competition be for? Like, oh, greatest comic book movie ever, like uh, yeah. Spider Man, Spider Man Two, Batman Two, Batman, 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 Batman and Batman, Batman Begins. Begins. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. but at the same time, they also are trying to catch that Marvel fire with this yeah. immensely formulaic format that they did with Black Adam, which yeah. Marvel does as well. It's just a matter of who does it better. And that's why uh, Guardians was so good, was because it wasn't just a formula paint by numbers, uh, good story, good action, all that good stuff. That's why I prefer those. Like, uh, I'm not a fan of most Marvel movies because I just I'm just tired of them. Yeah. With just an insane number of them, but I always appreciate Guardians of the Galaxy because they were they did stay above 
you know, the rest as far as like w- what their format is and the soundtrack and everything is just much more entertaining for me than oh, other yeah. movies. Oh yeah. yeah, great, great soundtrack. Yeah, um, and then for me, I've seen I've seen a ton of movies in the past month. I've seen more movies in this past month than I've probably seen in the last six months. Uh, just because like my jobs has afforded me more time, and I you know I I just I can do that. We have a cinema that's close to where we live now, so seen obviously Guardians. I saw the new Spider Man into this uh, across Spider Verse, which, which was excellent. Yeah. Highly recommend. Um, and then I went and saw Little Mermaid. Uh, a couple days ago and that was awesome uh it was really good maybe one of the best remakes i don't know if it's the best but maybe one of the best it was all the stuff they put in that wasn't in the original made it good it didn't take away from it like other things like there's there's no there's no morning report as uh oh don't remind me (laughs) as ready hates the morning report from lion king we could do a podcast episode just specifically on my reactions to the morning report anytime it would play when we would watch that movie at Hollywood Video. Yeah, so we would play the Lion, was it Lion King special edition? It was a special mm-hmm. edition. And yeah. and it took us like several months worth of playing this uh, at least once or twice every week before we realized that you could actually just activate the original version of the movie. Yep. Yeah. Which would have saved everyone a lot of grief. Because mm-hmm. that song would come on and he would lose his mind. Like, not not exaggerating. In front of customers, he would just be, are you kidding me? Like, he would just go on this rant. And all the customers would get in. It was like a Norma Ray moment. Like, all yeah. the customers would get involved and they'd be like, yeah, well, what are they doing? And it's, it's particularly funny, too, because Randy's demeanor is generally pretty just even keel. Yeah. Like, he's pretty quiet. But then when you get him excited about something, oh, no, yeah, he excited, becomes a cartoon yeah. character yeah. that just... At, like, for, absolutely. For, for, the, for the listeners at home, I am that character that you see on TV and you're like, those people don't exist. Yeah. yeah, his rage really knows is. no bounds. Like Randy's the the guy like in uh, the sunny episode where they had to nail down that board. Like that's Randy. He would yeah. flip that board if he <laughs> was that passionate about it. Um, yeah, so I've seen a bunch, and like I said, Little Mermaid. So I'd rec- I recommend all the ones I've seen. So I recommend Little Mermaid. I recommend uh, Across the Spider Verse. I recommend Guardians. They were all awesome. Uh, definitely go check them out. Uh, so yeah, really good stuff. So today's episode, I actually kind of made this episode because I thought it would be an interesting study in kind of like the cinema of old and the cinema of new. And so I decided to pick two different westerns. I think it's a genre that is still around today. You see at least one or two uh, real westerns come out a year, I'd say. Um, well, I'd say there's more than that. I, yeah. I think they're just not, a, like like for me with, with what I work, like I see a lot of westerns come through. They're just not high like budget. B, yeah, B exactly. level, they're B or C movie. level. Yeah, yeah, it's very rare you see sort of the... We'll, we'll call them theatrical releases of westerns. It's not too common. Yeah. yeah. And But they do. They have them. They come out. Sometimes we don't think of them as westerns. And then there's also just like modern day westerns where it's the same tropes, the same style, but it's in a modern setting. So you see both. It's not one or that. So I would say like westerns are still around, but they're definitely not where they were, say, in the 50s or 60s, Uh, the 50s or 60s, because like that era and well, really all the way from cinema's beginning till I would say at least 1970. Westerns were like the genre of movie. Like they were the action movie. They were the Marvel movies. They, they were, were they were the easiest kind of action movies you could make. Yeah. All you need is vast space of empty land and let's go ahead and cobble together a set and let's go. But they were also immensely popular. Like They were. They absolutely were. Cuz they were they like I said they were like a superhero movie. It, it like we have now, yeah. the superhero movies we have now are like westerns back then. You had like a superhero type character who could like you know basically dodge bullets kill 30 or 40 men at a time and like absolutely annihilate people yeah uh, and and the movie stars themselves were 
kind of on a different level than a lot of them now. Like, you know, you take like think of like Iron Man and Spider Man and Batman and Superman. You put them all together, that you're you're just talking about John Wayne. Yeah. Like at that time, that was John Wayne. You wanted to be John Wayne when you grew up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like, yeah. I mean, they had other ones too, Gene Autry and you know, guys like that. Right. So right. there's a bunch of different. Uh, but John Wayne was like the guy. So I did for the sake of this podcast, I did pick a John Wayne movie for us to watch i don't know if it's my favorite john wayne movie uh so growing up i watched a lot of john wayne um movies because my grandfather who i basically grew up with loved like literally worships at the altar of john wayne has a john wayne poster in our house like it's literally a john wayne poster in the living room of our house when we grow up like like you would have a fight piece of art that that generation it's like your centerpiece yeah like your holiday centerpiece it's him on a horse duke i think is the name of the horse but yeah so he loves him so i've seen a ton um and this one that we're picking is not is kind of an interesting part in his life because it's like I would say John Wayne at his at, at the top of, of his career. Like this is when uh, past the '40s when he got really really popular. Uh, this is the end of the the 1950s. Uh, I think this is '59 when this movie came out, uh, and we're going to talk about the movie called Rio Bravo. To have made it to that shack. They get across that creek. We'll be in bad shape. Now get behind us. We're gonna stop him from here. <laughs> is that who I think it is? Old Stumpy. The fellow I left behind. Hey, Senor Chance, don't shoot his me. Carlos, what are you doing here? I bring you some more shells. You might need them, Senor. Turn up next. An excellent western, 1959. It stars John Wayne as John T. Chance. Dean Martin as the dude, Ricky Nelson as Colorado Ryan, uh, Angie Dickinson plays the heroine Feathers, and then uh, there's also Walter Brennan and a great character actor who plays the character Stumpy, um, and then there's a couple other very famous actors. But I'd say the most, the three f- most famous in this one are John Wayne, Dean Martin, and Ricky Nelson. Um, yeah, Ricky Nelson at least for a short time he was that really big yeah. musical star. Yeah, and, and this was him at heartthrob. And this is him at his like heartthrobbiest. Absolutely. Like, yeah, he was like at the height of his career right here. And this is Dean at like the height of his career too. He's he's you know doing all of all of his music and uh, he's just getting into film now. Like Ocean's Eleven is going to come out. This is one of his first ones, and he does really good in this too. But so the idea of this movie again, it's a John Wayne movie, and he stars like this Texas sheriff who arrests a brother of a really powerful rancher in the st- uh, the town they're in, um, and they're going to arrest him for murder. And the whole idea of it is, like, John Wayne and his crew has to hold up until the marshal can arrive to get this murderer uh, off of their hands. So, the whole movie is basically them trying to thwart the brother from harming, or from taking the other one away. And there's a lot of really cool stuff in this movie, without giving too much away. Uh, But, like... I'm just going to go around the room. Just general thoughts when you guys watch this movie. What did, what did you guys think about it? Um, as far as like Westerns go, did it meet your expectations or like was it below expectations? What do you think? All right. Well, for me, I was never really a big fan of the Western genre. Um, <clears throat> I think it's just because a lot of the old ones that would be on TV when I was younger, they all felt, you know, paint by numbers. Same thing kind of repeated. Uh, there was very, most Westerns that I enjoy tend to be of the modern variety, like Tombstone, Unforgiven, mm-hmm. or if you want to be a, like, a little more contrived and blatantly action, like Quick and the Dead, which I thought was great. Yeah, the Quick and Dead's like a um, 
It's like a modern day spaghetti western. Ex- yeah, kind of. A, a little bit. That's like the whole point of it. it and it's like a Marvel movie where it's <laughs> it's like this person versus this person. Yeah. Um, so I never got really into the western genre itself. So when I heard this category, I was just like, okay, well, I'll go along with it. I'm not excited for it. But I've also never watched a John Wayne movie the whole way through, aside from just little snippets here and there. And, um, you know, after the initial probably first five to ten minutes of just kind of figuring out what's what's going on, who's this person, uh, once the plot started to settle in, like I started to settle in and was actually kind of enjoying myself, it felt like a really self-contained plot. Uh, really easy to follow once it gets started. It gave me, like, you know, vibes of Seven Samurai, which I had just watched for the first time, like, three years ago, whenever I played Ghost of Tsushima. Mm-hmm. And where it's just a few people kind of hunkered down, and they know that they're surrounded, and they know that every single day there's going to be people coming for them. Yeah. So I, I really did enjoy that aspect of it. Yeah. So there's some really cool stuff. You're talking about the first five, ten minutes, like, settling in. Yeah, just just the opening scene. Yeah, just... it, well, there's a really... The opening scene is really interesting, and I don't know if you guys noticed there was, like, no talking during that first, like... Oh, I noticed. Minutes. Yeah, it was a lot just... Of movies did that. I think a lot of movies did that back it then. It was, like, right. a... It, was like it felt a like the big, middle of a movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was, like, a real big choice by Howard Hawks. So Howard Hawks directed this movie. He's a really famous Western director. He dressed a really famous just movie director of that era, especially in the 30s and 40s. Um, and him and John Wayne worked together a couple of times. And so Howard Hawks actually, he didn't write this, but he directed it. And he was very purposeful about having that silent scene so that you didn't really know who was who or like what was going on as far as like who were the characters, what are they doing? Because in the first scene, Dean like <laughs> punches John Wayne right in the face or some, something like That's that. That's what threw me off. Yeah. I was... I was just thinking, why, how did this happen? Yeah. So in the movie, Dean Martin plays a, like, he starts off as just a drunk. You don't know him as anything other than a drunk. And uh, in the very beginning of the scene, he, the guy at the bar, like, throws some money in for him to get um, a beer. He throws it into, like, the spittoon. So you have to get with all the tobacco yeah, for juice. The, and just, the, to, just to demean this just guy. Just Because of how crippled of an alcoholic he is. Yeah, he's just this terrible alcoholic. And, he, and the thing is, like, Dean's gonna go and get it. Like, he's, he's like, that's the whole part. As it starts, he's, like, walking over to get it out. And then John Wayne stops him and he slugs him. And that's when everything else happens. So you don't really know what's going on. But I thought that was a really interesting choice to not have any music at the very beginning. It was all just, like, action. And even, like, the music, like, punctuated the action. It was very interesting. I am pretty sure that punch is exactly the reason that I was wondering those first few minutes, what's going on Yeah, here? why? Yeah. Why did Dean Martin just punch John Wayne? Yeah, I, I, I think that was... I, I like when movies do that, though, when they kind of... Um... They, they change your expectations right at the beginning of the movie, so you're not really sure who's who and what's exactly happening. And we're going to get, like, a giant version of that in the next movie we're talking about, but for, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, for, you know, for me, for this movie, it's, it was slow, which I already expected. Yeah. Uh, I do have some issues with the length of it, but I also understand for I, me that... I even agree. Both of these yeah, there's, a, yeah. there's just, I think this movie's from that era, especially Westerns, there's, yeah. they get so enveloped in having the show, like, their, their wide vistas and all these yeah. wide shots and all the sets well, and whatnot, and, and cowboy life or, you know, Western life that... It just pads out the movie in a way that I wasn't really a fan of. Yeah, you know right? what I was thinking too. Is it is that the reason why that is because of the movie or because of us? 
I think it's because of us now at this point. Because yeah. right, because this movie was fifty nine. Yeah, my dad was two years old. Yeah. I wouldn't exist for decades later. Right? right, right. So it's different when I think you're watching this movie in the time because yeah. there's movies I guarantee you we'll watch now that we grew up with. Yeah, where most people or others may say it's so slow or there's so many sort of tropes or you know cinematic tricks and you know uh, filming that they may not resonate with and say this isn't paced well. Yeah, but for us it's flawless. Yeah, and uh, go, sorry, go ahead. Uh, uh, um, I was just going to say, like, you know, back in 1959, there's still a lot of people who consider moving pictures to be cool. this phenomenal yeah, thing. Yeah, and yeah. moving with it's sound. It's not something that they would be able to do at home. They yeah. couldn't watch and a movie color. at home unless CBS was broadcasting some Christmas movie. Yeah. yeah. They, they would not have been able to watch a movie at home. So, that's... so a lot of things like those long, those long shots of like scenery pain, and everything, yeah. like this is the only chance that you're going to get to see these particular locales in the way you're seeing and, and that's yeah. what i mean you can't google the grand canyon yeah. back then yeah that's what i mean is 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 in regards to the pace and length that's purely personal taste yeah right no but i, I kind of agree with you because i was thinking the same thing and I, and I was thinking to myself i was like but is it like because this movie's bad or is it because no, i can't it's handle... absolutely relative yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing is i recognize when i especially when i watch certain movies from certain eras right yeah. like, like i was telling you guys watching death race 2000 from 1975 yeah I know that movie's going to feel like 1975 because there's certain <laughs> movies that feel very much from their era. Yeah. And I think this does. So when I say like the, the, the length was a little too long, that's strictly personal taste. I feel like it could have been, I think this was about two and a half hours, just short of that. Mm -hmm. It probably could have been a solid two and be perfectly fine. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll be honest though. When I watched it, it did feel like a solid two. Like I didn't feel it dragged that much. I was going to say, not I, like the wild bunch. This, when we get to the next yeah, one, I would say yeah. this dragged less than the next movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with yeah. you. I'm with and, you. And I think a lot of that was because it was such a, such a central plot that there wasn't a ton of characters to bounce back and forth on. It was pretty much John Wayne, Dean Martin, and you know, Ricky Stumpy, Nelson. Yeah, Stumpy, Ricky Nelson. Uh, so it was very easy to follow. And, yeah. and just seeing their, their relationships unfold and learning more about them throughout the movie was interesting enough for me that it didn't feel its length, which yeah. is why I did enjoy it a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, with that said, where like so, Don, who is probably your favorite actor in the or act, uh, actor for actor or actress because actress is redundant? Um, who is your favorite actor for this movie? I actually liked Carlos. I forgot his uh, Carlos, his actor's name. Uh, Carlos uh, played by because I have it here. Sorry, Carlos Robante played Rob by Pedro Gonzalez. Yes, he was uh, in uh, a lot of movies back in the day. From I looked up in his filmography, which yeah. is uh, which is cool. But um, he was great. He was great because he was the most endearing. Like he still was kind of over the top yeah. for me in some instances but he was the most endearing and sweet person in this movie <laughs> because he's really just out for duke and like he's out to you know yeah help him out his hotel's almost like the headquarters in a sense yeah. right and, he, and he, it's like he has no obligation to do so but he, he comes just, at he, the end of the shotgun to help yeah him out. he's just he, he's so funny and then uh i, I really enjoyed stumpy, <laughs> stumpy but he's great because he's just like like cantankerous old guy and then you realize all of those tropes from like the simpsons of like the old guy exactly like, oh, about the him. point now yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I had no idea like i assume obviously those things were were informed by you know yeah. they ripped off something but it's different when it's clearly almost like, exact clearly like that, it's not that's really the thing they they ripped off yeah, yeah the simpsons gags when they do that of stumpy essentially what it seems like they're, is they're not that far exaggerated no, that's how it was like stumpy acting <laughs> like he's like oh my god there's gold up on yeah, that yeah, hill yeah. they're like <laughs> It just—he was great because I didn't expect him to be so ridiculous. Yeah, he's like, well, he's just like, I'm gonna, he's like, I'll shoot that guy the first chance I get. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's just like 
a you know zero to hundred old man ready to fight, ready yeah. to do anything, and he and, just like gets yeah. really sad a lot. And John, uh, to be fair, like John uh, T is his name in the movie, but John Wayne's character John T doesn't treat him very well. Like doesn't is never really like. We well, treat him like a simpleton. Yeah, well, it's just like a dog. Yeah. It's like the best way. Like an old dog is basically how he describes it. Like like loving and endearing, but at the same time, just gonna treat you like shit. And it's like. Well, that's not very nice. He, he doesn't. He doesn't treat dude very well either. No, but he nobody. does explicitly state why. It's yeah, a toxic masculinity. As well, well which yeah. Is well, also a lot of it is that like he feels that he's not gonna respond well to yeah, being, being coddled. coddled. Yeah. Um, okay, so you said uh, sorry, Carlos. Carlos was, was my friend. Carlos, yeah, he, he was he was the sweetest, endearing, and just level-headed person. And yeah. He's just, He's like that person you could rely on. He was there at all times, yeah. ready to fight for Duke and everything. Yeah, that was pretty great. Yeah, he was great. What about you, Randy? I, it's really hard not to say Stumpy, but but I did really like John Wayne's character. Um, I, I, I think when I was watching it, I was like, oh, I, I, I get it. I, I, I totally understand why he was the it guy in Hollywood. Yeah, he does have a way of carrying himself. He does. Like, you're not going to find a combination of someone that big and imposing with that particular voice. Yeah. And that just seems to fit so easily into any sort of movie where he needs to be macho. And like, just so we can be clear, because I know there's people who are ready to say it, we don't agree with any of like John Wayne's no. personal like, no, things that he's done. Screw John Wayne! Like, let's just screw John Wayne! Like. <laughs> We're specifically talking about him as an actor and the character in this in the book uh, or in the movie, just so everybody understands. It's like, <laughs> just so you don't get upset. We we understand him and the way he's done things. But yeah, I, he was awesome in it too. Uh, my personal favorite was Dean Martin as the dude, uh, or he's just dude. Uh, I liked him the most because out of all the other characters, every character in the movie was like John Wayne was John T. Chance the whole movie. He never changed. Uh, even, um, Colorado who had like a change of heart was basically the same person the whole time. He just did the right thing when it was asked of him. Dean was the only one who actually had a character arc. You All did, of the right? other ones yeah. were just, I'm this the whole time. Dean was like the lowest of the low. Realized, then then he got to a point where he thought he was good, but then he started to doubt himself again. Uh, ended up getting you know taken by those guys and, and setting up John Wayne because of it. And then redeemed himself again at the end. And like I liked that arc. Of, like It was great to see he was this drunk, and then this thing happened, and he decided to stick with his guy. And it wasn't like he immediately was a superhero. He struggled throughout the whole movie with his alcoholism. Well, I think he was the most uh, plausible, or I don't want to say realistic because it's yeah. kind of awkward. But but no, you're saying like uh, like dynamic. You know, and maybe yeah. I don't want to say relatable in the sense that I've been an alcoholic or anything. But he seemed like the only person in this whole movie who was uh, you know a person, <laughs> not right. some purposely written character to to be embellished in some way like john wayne is just ridiculous right? yeah he, he's meant to be the big badass guy you and, can relate to the struggle you're not yeah. specifically the alcohol struggle but you can relate to the struggle or like having struggled you know like he's clearly through the movie struggling mm-hmm. yeah um and i i really like that i re- and I, th- I was like man this is really good he's really doing well in this he's really like kicking, kicking i really hadn't seen dean martin in a in an action role that i could remember so yeah, it was even surprising stuff with jerry lewis that i'd seen yeah before. and ocean's 11 he's in and uh, you know so yeah exactly martin and lewis ocean's 11 i know he did those secret agent movies but i never saw them growing up but i thought he was great in this it, it, he was really like well done like when he's getting the shakes and stuff which when stuff almost killed him and he just like lost that's when he lost his nerve for a while uh yeah i thought he was good I was going to talk about John Wayne for a second because the reason why this movie was made um, was in a response to another movie called High Noon. So High Noon was a movie that was allegorical of like the what is it, the um, 
communist panic in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And so High Noon is about a guy, just like uh, John Wayne's character, a sheriff who is going to have to take down this bad guy who's going to be coming on noon on this train. And he's going to take all his posse. He's going to come and kill John Wayne. So the High Noon guy. So high noon, the high noon guy, I don't know his name is, but he's played by Gary Cooper. Gary Cooper comes around to all of these people to try to get him to help, and nobody will help him. They're all like, you're the sheriff, you deal with it. And it's supposed to be about like people not wanting to help people who are um, being called communists. So John Wayne saw that, hated it, obviously, because he hated all commies, as, as the uh, John Wayne would. So he hated and, all a lot of people. Yeah, so him and Howard <laughs> Hawks made this movie as a retelling of that, that story again. But this one is, this guy stands up for people. And he only asked people who he thinks who can actually help him to help him. Because remember that one train, the wagon uh, master guy? Right. He was like, I'll stay and help. And he's like, dude, you're just going to get yourself. Uh, I really got the impression that pretty much the entire town would have been behind him. Yeah, he didn't like, want to put him He really seemed like everyone loved him. Yeah. And supported him. And yeah. knew that he was a legitimate guy. Yeah. And... Uh, Ricky Nelson was probably the only competent person and he didn't even get too mad at Ricky Nelson when he didn't want to help because he kind of understood like yeah I get it like you don't want to put yourself well and and I think that that's the thing is that Ricky Nelson's new to town they're they're only kind of stranded there due to you know plot reasons yeah and he's not seen anything like would you want to do anything to help some stranger you don't know about like put your life on the line like that but maybe after seeing what this guy's going through and seeing that he's doing it for altruistic reasons then yeah yeah you're gonna lend your your fast gun to his to his cause yeah so um let's go from actors let's talk about your favorite scenes so we can do either one of you guys favorite scenes and so i'll be honest with both of these movies i necessarily have a favorite scene I can give you guys some, and you'll probably be like, oh, yeah. Be, yeah, because for me, like, it, the movies were... I'm not a huge fan of Westerns, is what it is. Yeah. I don't dislike them or anything. It's just not something I watch often. Yeah. So for me, there wasn't much that stuck out. I was like, oh, that was such a great scene. It was so poignant with... with um, so, uh, go ahead, I, Ryan, What do you think? Well, um, I think my favorite probably was the, the climatic uh, battle. Oh, with As, the dynamite? Yeah, because it, it, was a good, it was a good mix of, you know, old, old-timey 1950s, you know, shoot 'em ups but there was still some some levity in there w- between yeah. the dude having to escape, Carlos showing up with a shotgun, and then Stumpy, of course, showing up. Deus Ex Dynamite. Yeah, not not exactly. And then and the whole time I was wondering, I'm like, when's Chekhov's dynamite gonna come yeah, into play? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that wagon looks familiar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was sweet. They blew that whole house to King the King. And and, and just the fact that like. It, you would never see this in, in a movie now, is that how it just so abruptly ends with, with the dynamite and the bad guys just come out like, like yeah, we're done. We're done. But yeah, we're they done. would all die in a movie. <laughs> that, that scene was great, though, because I, I did like right before that when you know they, they essentially plan to go yeah. to him. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, there's this big revelation with, um, with John Wayne where he's like, oh, they're coming to us. Uh-huh. So what if go, we go to them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, and yeah. that's and that's how it's going to end up. You know, our last name is <laughs> they yeah. won't expect a surprise attack. Yeah. So that part was pretty cool because I, I didn't expect that at all. Like yeah. I thought this was going to be just a standoff type movie where they're just holding the line, defending the entire time yeah. until daybreak, which was kind of like um, I guess it was similar like three ten to Yuma, right? Where they're holding the um, I forgot his name at the time, but it was like they're holding convict basically yeah. until the train arrives so they can transport. So he has him. to get on there, and his buddies are trying to stop him. Yeah, but this movie had been remade uh, three times, twice. One's called Rio Lobo. I was going to ask about that because yeah. I, I saw there's uh, there's a couple of the real movies. I thought yeah. it was like a trilogy or something. No, I know they're the remakes movie. of each other. It's the same basic plot with different actors. Wow. John Wayne is even in Rio Lobo. I think Frank or uh, uh, Sinatra, not Sinatra. Sorry, <laughs> I think Dean Martin is in one of them too. Uh, but 
Another movie that is a remake of it is um, Assault on Precinct 13. Which really? Is, yeah, which is oh. John Carpenter. Yeah. John Carpenter yeah, loves this movie. That. And it's the same idea, right? They have that person in the prison cell and his gang coming, like, assaulting the precinct the whole time. Same exact movie as this. He said it was a remake of this. Yeah. I, I, that's why I appreciate this movie. Like I said, I, I didn't dislike it or anything. It's just yeah, not yeah, yeah. my type of movie. But watching it, you could see a lot of movies it did influence, just like you said, with, with certain stories like that, like yeah. Assault on Precinct 13, where... You know, it's like there's someone where it's like they're they're waiting for daybreak yeah. to survive, and then they're having to do this, that, or other thing from all the, the invaders and everything. You know. Let me uh, let me give you two two scenes before we kind of wrap up the movie. But so the uh, there's a scene where um, John T is being stood up by like three guys, and Colorado's in like a the building next to him. And he devises this plan to kill all three of those guys. It's a pretty sweet scene. It, no, I, I did. This was the other scene I was thinking of yeah. when I was trying to come up with my favorite. Because I, I loved how how quick he was to action and kind of saves the day. Yeah, he was awesome. He shot like two guys immediately. Yeah, he, yeah exactly. He shot one, and as John Wayne put it. And then before I could shoot my, yeah, you know, my before revolver. I could get the third, he got the yeah. second. Like, yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, that was such an awesome scene. It was so cool. Are, are we going to discuss the... Oh, yeah. oh we have to. My favorite... Well, that's what I was going to say. And my, I, I did not dislike the scene. My favorite scene. Disclosure. My yeah. favorite scene in the movie is... Okay, so the movie in general, it's a hangout movie. Like Quentin Tarantino has said that many times. It's a hangout movie. And what he means by that is that because the, the plot is basically these guys trying to wait out these bad guys for the, for the marshal to come, you're just hanging out with them for like large stretches of the movie. You're just... They kind of become your friends for a little bit, and you just kind of hanging out and one of the hangout parts of the movie is a scene where they're all just killing time so they start singing and uh dean and ricky nelson have like a really amazing uh song it's together. a duet it's a yeah it's a duet mm-hmm. my, my rifle my pony and me which we'll put in now no more cow no more cow to be roping to be roping no more stray no more stray Will I see round the bend? Round the bend. She'll be waiting. She'll be waiting for my rifle, rifle pony and me. And it's a great song. Tell the people what your problems okay. are with it. So, full disclosure, I did like the scene. Um, it did immediately come off as ah yes the contractually obligated scene where Dean Martin and Ricky Nelson sing a song. I get it, but it, I that try did to think come to me. Um, but like I didn't dislike it because yeah, what else are they gonna do when you're hanging out? It's not like they can watch YouTube. That's what I'm saying. You know, so it makes sense that people would sing in that time. There's two things that don't make sense to me. One is that this scene happens immediately after Dean Martin, who is absolutely crippled with his alcohol withdrawal. Yeah. He can't hold a gun right. He he's, can't shake. He's, he's like sweating, sweating drenched, profusely. Yeah, absolutely like he drenched. looks like he's dying. Yeah. He looks like he's dehydrated. And, I mean, he's going through alcohol. And they're, they're, they're playing the, the music that, what's the name Deguea. of that song? Deguea. Yeah, which was phenomenal. Yeah, I that, loved that, that part's song. really great. And like, yeah. um, so Maricone, who makes like the, Marconi, who makes like all of the spaghetti westerns, the really famous ones with Sergio Leone, mm-hmm. they use that as like their basis for all of the most amazing western music you think of like Good, Bad, and the Ugly, and right. uh, that all comes from Degueo, uh, which is a really great song in the movie. And and the story behind it was that this song was played like the night before yeah, the Alamo when they were going to come and finish them off. And it means like no, what, like cut your cutthroats or something like that. Degueo means like so. Anyway, no, no mercy, we're we're literally seeing Dean Martin as the dude, 
uh, quitting because he can't function. He, he literally cannot function because he has gone through such bad alcohol withdrawal. He can't hold a gun. He's shaking. He's sweating. He can't do anything. And they're playing that, that song across the street. And for somehow it makes him stop shaking. And he says the music calms me. And it's like, okay, cool. So I guess he's not quitting. And then it's like a fade to Dean Martin singing. And this dude, if you've never heard Dean Martin sing, you're you're really missing out. Yeah, he's awesome. uh, he is an immaculate singer. It's he's amazing. he's mm-hmm. one of the few like perfect pop singers you yeah. would ever say. <laughs> from that from that era, absolutely. He's he was incredible. up there. He was, I mean, oh, he was, he was part of the era, rat pack. Of his era, he is probably and the, the top one. I, I like him more than Sinatra. The in song that is in Sopranos, guys. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a good song. But my whole thought is because you know i'm a singer myself and i'm thinking like man he's his lemon tea what, do you know what key that song was in randy oh, no i do not i don't know those things i just know that if i'm going through alcohol withdrawal like that but there's no way oh, i'm gonna sound like part. the single so I, i'm i'm just not gonna sound like the greatest singer on the planet like this dude is which brings me to problem number two what is this guy doing as a deputy in this small town when he should be paying, being the highest paid entertainer in all of New York? Yeah, well, you know, maybe he just did it. He was on the border town. Uh, he has a passion for for justice and the lawmaking. Yeah. See, see, Ricky Nelson is a good singer, uh, but like, He's not I, like could, I could, I could, but yeah. like Ricky Nelson, the guy back, you know, your neighbor could sing as well as Ricky Nelson for all we know. He's playing like guitar did. too. He Stumpy's was, doing the harmonica pretty yeah, he well. Was, oh yeah, Stumpy's <laughs> harmonica was great. My my problem with this scene is that it wasn't the scene itself necessarily, right? Yeah. I, I don't mind that the fact that he was a great singer. My problem was just the way it was executed. Like it just, it's near, it's, it's pretty much at the third act of the movie, if I recall, it was, it was closer to the end, probably yeah. in the last half an hour. Yeah. Right. You never hear him sing before because like, he's just a complete drunk stumbling around. It would have been of, nice if you heard him at least like humming at some something, point. Yeah, something, something, but I'm with you. But I'm, I'm with, with Randy where it's just, this absolutely feels like where they do it in current movies too, where they have some singer and for some reason, just to get it in, they have to have him sing some number somewhere yeah. in the movie. Yeah. And, and for me, it was just the placement of where it was in the movie, just the context of it. And all of a sudden, he's he's bright and awake right after. He's ready to fight. Yeah, I'm with you. I... Now, um, to add what he was saying, we never heard him try to sing or anything before. What would make this scene for me an excellent scene and make me completely forget about you know the placement of it coming right off the crippling alcoholism scene is if earlier in the movie, when they're trying to hang out, yeah, he, he was, was singing. Singer. And like he was just croaking while yeah. doing it like you know he clearly had the shakes too hard well, what yeah, they like so, so therefore when you get to it and he sounds like dean martin yeah you know he's back. with his angelic voice you know you know ready. this guy's back he's you better not let this but, guy what get they his could gun. Have also yeah. done with him too is they could have made him when he was drunk is make him try to make himself try to sing yeah i couldn't exactly right so it's just it's just a piece of I'm himself you know is lost then the contractually obligated singing scene would have had a yeah because it's like he found himself that he is back exactly yeah yeah, so I think just it, again we're we're reviewing a movie that's was it almost sixty years old at this point. Yeah, it's hard to knock it for something like that, notes. right? So it's difficult to say be critical of something like that yeah, when John Wayne didn't sing a note so, in that movie. Yeah, <laughs> no, I just mean like someone unfreeze John Wayne so that he can hear yeah. this criticism, put him back in the freezer, and then a thousand years later when he makes his next movie. You know, uh, one thing that I really liked Dean Martin did a lot. It, I don't know if you guys ever caught it, but anytime that John Wayne would roll a cigarette, Dean Martin would take it from him, like every single be- scene. Because Dean Martin he couldn't roll a cigarette because yeah, he was shaking. Because so much. yeah, he yeah, was shaking he so shake. hard. See, why do they do that much character development? <laughs> I couldn't have him just like croak a song out real quick. Right, I know. Come on. And I think it's just because in yeah. that contractual obligation, Dean Martin can never sound anything like the best, that not the best singer in the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so this movie was made on a budget of $1.2 million. It made $5.75 million. It was the eighth highest grossing movie of 
1959, and it's generally regarded as one of the best um, westerns of that era. There's a lot. I, the reason why I picked this one is because I think it's. We often think of westerns as like, um, you know, the spaghetti western, especially for us, or the modern western. But I think this is a really good example of like maybe a slower paced, but ultimately a really good example of the genre at its height. Like I feel like in the late fifties, early sixties, westerns were the top top thing as far as action movies go. Um, so I thought showing one that maybe had some slower moments, but some great action still was like a good idea for um, for something that we were doing here. So what overall, like, what do you guys think of the movie? Like, recommend, don't recommend? What do you guys think? Uh, I definitely recommend it. Um, if you're looking for an entry into the genre, uh, this is one I would recommend because it's not in your face violence for no reason. It's a very contained plot. It's got yeah. some good performances. They ham fist a, a romance in there that has absolutely. Yes, they do. That's actually a romance. More, that is, that's actually that more is worse than the song. It is. <laughs> that, that was absolutely worse than the song. Was it, it, it's it's nothing. It's nitpicking yeah. that point. And but, at least yeah, like it, like you can just understand like why it would happen. Maybe they wouldn't sing that well, but at least like yeah, if I was just hanging out with my buddies, I didn't have anything to do. Maybe we'd sing a song. Yeah, this but, the, the love the love stuff really felt like that. Absolutely no reason. They were they, they had a loose thread the whole movie. It seems like they hated each other the whole movie. They and well, it also was like such a tertiary or quadrant focus that they didn't want to really they were like we got to write this in it has to be in there it's a western yeah. and then they really just kind of made the payoff really at the very end and it wasn't even worth anything like she went and protected him that night and I'm like the whole time like Dude, why why like abuses her yeah, of, of like, like stealing yeah. cheating <laughs> yeah. and all this and she's just like smitten about it and yeah. then but she's like is so the, this weird. is what they this... thought of women in the 19th exactly that's yeah. my thing is that's what's unfortunate but cause, well because she was a fireball she like she, she was, was like telling him off but at the same time it did she was very vulnerable and it's like why would you go to this guy he's terrible to you and you both don't seem like you like each other very much yeah. I think John Wayne just was acting as if like there's no way this girl would like me because look how awful I am to her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think they, if he had yeah, got they, a they, hint, they maybe that, he might have acted a little bit. They call that negging. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right, so that's gonna end. Oh, I'm sorry, John. Uh, Don, what do you think of uh, the movie Rio Bravo? It's worth watching, but you know it's it's difficult to watch again. Yeah, I think it's a hard part. Yeah. Like well, I said, the, the, the length got, comes into that point where. It's two and a half hours. If it was two hours, I probably would be inclined to watch it again. Yeah. If it was something where I watched a, a string of westerns, maybe. But I think the length is really what kind of makes it a little bit more difficult to. And to that watch makes it times. really difficult for me to go back and watch a lot of those westerns. Yeah. This is what I'll say. Yeah, is, if, if those run times are intimidating. If you want to watch it uh, as like a modern person, uh, like we are modern men. Uh, but if you want to do this as like a modern person, you want to. Uh, put away your device, like put your devices away from you because it's going to be really tough to be invested if you're like on your phone on this one because it's just as far, it's long as heck, but also like you'll look, look down at your phone, you look up and you're like, wait, who's that guy? Wait, what are we doing here? Um, so put your phone away, put your device away and get yourself like a nice adult beverage or like something that's going to calm you down, let you just like sit and watch a movie for a little or bit. Or in get my invested. case, it was ice cream. There you go. Get an ice yeah, cream. You really just need to be relaxed and just let go. Relax and It's a let, very yeah. low-key movie. There's not a... It's a hangout movie. There's a, yeah, there's a little bit of loudness at the end. Yeah. Because you know, there's a big there's fight. There's cool action scenes. There's a, there's a lot of tense moments. But, but for the end, most part, it's it's pretty quiet throughout. And it's just... Yeah. It, it's it's an easy watch. It's just yeah. a long, easy you watch. Yeah, invest in it. Yeah. for you to watch it, yeah. Looks like he's hit pretty bad. Damn that deep sort in the hell. What would you do in his place? He gave his word. Gave his word to a railroad. It's his word! That ain't what counts! It's who you give it to! 
going into what I thought would be the one that you guys would like the most, but it sounds like the one that you guys didn't like at all, which is really great. I'm, I'm excited to hear why. So we're going to skip ahead a decade. We're going to go to 1969, and we're going to look at the movie. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to look at the movie The Wild Bunch. Uh, this is directed by Sam Peckinpah. It has a bunch of actors from that era that I didn't really know very well, but um, shame on us, I guess. But William Holden is Pike Bishop. Ernest Borgnine is Dutch, uh, Dutch Ingstrom. Uh, Rob Ryan is Deke Thornton. And Ed O'Brien is Freddie Sykes. Uh, the movie is about this aging group of bandits. They're kind of looking for one last score. Um, and the one of the, the people on their tail is a group of bounty hunters led by one of their former uh, group members. And that's kind of the whole plot of the movie. Um, so we are looking at The Wild Bunch. The Wild Bunch. Uh, so, Randy, we'll start with you this time. What were your general thoughts or thought about <laughs> The well, Wild Bunch? So this movie kind of felt like a blur to me. And I, I distinctly remember watching it, and I'm like, who am I rooting for? Because it is absolute mayhem as so soon the, as the opening credits roll. The first ten minutes is just insanity. It You have no idea who's who. You have no idea who's good, who's bad. It definitely seems purposeful, right? Like, it's it's meant to say, like, there are... These are all bad people. Like, none of these people are good. Right. You know, they're, they're protagonists, but they're not good people. They're antagonists, but they're not bad people, per se. Everybody's just kind of what they are. Um, and I get you. It was very, very confusing because of that. Yeah. yeah Sorry, keep Extremely going. confusing. Um, you know, ultra-violent, especially for the time... And I remember you, you said something about how he made the movie for that reason. That yeah. Because of the sanitization of a lot of the violence in Westerns. Yep. But at the same time, like, for someone like me, who, like, kind of likes history, I'm like, but the, the sanitization of Westerns is far closer to reality than this. <laughs> like, cause according to him, it was like, it seemed like living a life in in the Old West in town, you your town could have genocide committed to it at any moment. Yeah. And that that's really not what it was like. <laughs> but, well, one of the things... Uh, well, we'll get into it. Let me go on. So, um, so yeah, Don, what was your initial reaction to watching? I, I, I remember hearing about this movie a long time ago from a customer at work. Mm-hmm. It actually wasn't at the video store, but they told me about it because they, they thought it would be a Western I would like. And I thought I had seen it, but I hadn't. I don't know what the hell I watched. Yeah. It wasn't The Wild Bunch. I know that much now. Yeah. So when I wild, wild west yeah, no, it definitely was that. I would remember the Wicca Wicca about that one. I don't even remember. Um, this one was uh, it, it was a pretty fun watch, but I was also I just, because I hadn't seen it, I didn't obviously didn't know what to expect out of it. Yeah, and I had watched Real Bravo the night before, so going from Real Bravo to this, you know, yeah. one night after, you need like a palate cleanser for it, sure. It, it's not so much a palate cleanser; it's just you really see the uh, the the drastic differences just between the two movies. Yeah. Even like you said, even just the opening ten, 10 minutes, but the tone, years. and then also for me, I was thinking, you know, Real Bravo was fifty nine again, and this yeah. was this was ten years later, ten years later, and yet it's a vastly different movie. Like if you have a spectrum of westerns, I yeah. feel like this would be at the furthest thing as far as like the violent yeah. and just over the top and really driving into the ridiculous characters versus, you know, John Wayne's like the more labored and, you know, quiet Western. Like mm-hmm. I think associate more with Rio type. Bravo. Exactly. The the strong Cooper, side types. The strong, yeah. Type. Um, so with this movie, again, this was also a pretty long movie, yep. just about two and a half over, hours. Yeah. Over two and a half hours. Yeah. Uh, and I, I kind of felt the same way with, with this, with real Bravo where it's like, there was a lot of great scenes in it, but then there is this, I think had more unnecessary fluff, to yeah. sort of illustrate cowboy life or western life in a very um, slow way. in a very slow way that was just too drawn out but then you have the 
action scenes which were so good. <laughs> they were non-stop and they were really good <laughs> yeah and it's just and there there's a lot of calamity going on yeah. too like they're, they're a lot more chaotic than what i still remember so we'll, we'll get to which one i like better yeah. later on but um again going back to back the impression was way different yeah um and i had never seen this movie before now too i had heard about it a lot i've always wanted to watch it and uh i'm with you guys where uh, it just was hard to stay focused at times. Uh, there was points where I was like, man, I just, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can watch this whole thing. But then right when I'm about to give up, there's just this incredible thing that happens <laughs> in it where I'm like, what in the heck did they just do that kept me going? And so by the end, by the end of the movie, I'm actually invested. I'm invested in the characters. I like their character. Like everybody gets me to start to care in weird ways. And I get, and I finally get the movie. I'm like, okay, I get what this movie is and like why it is existing in the time it's existing. And the end 10 minutes is awesome. The last, the last 15, 20 minutes of the movie is just awesome. Um, awesome dialogue, even though there isn't much of it. Awesome cinematography. Like some of the shots they shoot in this is ju are just great. Uh, the violence and the action in the last 15 minutes is just insanity. Um, and we'll get to those scenes in a second, but man, I just couldn't believe the level of violence. And I, what I try to do when I'm watching this is like, this was made in 1969. I have to keep remembering, like, this is not the norm. It was very, it'd be very much like a normal R rated movie these days, but it was insane back then. I, I would think, I, again, again, going, you look at Rio Bravo and like what content that had yeah. 10 years before that, and you look at what Wild Bunch is. Right. It, it's like you're going from like radar to NC-17 almost. <laughs> like it's that drastic. Because you could see, so in Rio Bravo, they're shooting guys, there's a cloud of smoke, and the dude grabs his gut and falls over, but you don't even see any blood. And then in this one, it's the most stylized blood you can yeah, get. Yeah, and there's there's an infinite, I'm sure they had a bigger budget too is the other thing, but there's explosions yeah. all the time. Like there's a scene with the, I think the wagon was like weaving through, and there was oh, like just yeah. explosions going left yeah, and right yeah, of yeah. it or something obscene. Yeah. It was just, it made no sense, but it looked great. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so that was so that was like our favorite overall ideas of this. But like now, I want to think about favorite scenes in this movie since we're talking about favorite scenes. So of the one the one you can remember, Randy. What, what <laughs> oh, it's it's definitely when they give those guys that when they give the Mexican army the, the machine gun. And then oh, yeah, they're trying ridiculous. to explain to that them they need a so tripod. Funny. And I'm just like watching this whole thing. Use like, the and tripod. I'm like, will someone let go of the trigger? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was so ridiculous. They've got they this just spinning around because they couldn't hold this machine gun. You gotta remember the guys are like well, wrong. To be clear, it's not so much machine gun so much as it's like a, a full-on minigun. Like yeah. a exactly. It's a railgun. It's, yeah. like, yeah. it's, it's made to be It mounted. was a machine gun. It's like a World War One because that's when the movie takes place. It's like 1913. Yeah, but I mean, I want I wanted to make sure. Yeah. Oh, wow. I want yeah. people to know like it's it's like on, it's like a giant gun, not like a machine, oh, like an SMG. Yeah. Like I, no, a machine yeah. doesn't mean like SMG it's AR like a, or something. This whatever. is what Terminator. This is what Arnold Schwarzenegger was holding. Exactly. Yeah, Terminator but imagine too. if a baby was holding. Yeah, that. exactly. Four of them. There's like yeah. five people trying to corral this. You gotta thing. remember they're like half drunk, like the whole movie. So, but that was so funny. I was like, why are they? Why are they letting this? And, and and the fact that the town, like, as soon as the shooting would stop, would just kind of laugh and music yeah. would resume, and then it would happen again. Yeah. yeah. And then oh. Well, uh, happened again, guys. Great, How really, was that not at scene. least fifteen people dead? In, that from was that? I didn't good, see anybody die. That from was that. such a funny scene. Yeah. What about what about you doing? Um. Well, I had a, there was a couple. Well, I mean, the ending was great. Uh, I really liked that scene. I actually did like the scene a lot when um, I think it, it was near the end when Ernest Borgnine's character um, he's talking with um, 
Pike. Pike, excuse me. Yeah. And uh, Dutch. 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 Yeah, and they're and they're kind of arguing about um, you know the whole plan, yeah, how it word. fell apart, and everything. Yeah. And then you know Borgnine, like he's always been Pike's buddy, and whatnot. But then he he takes a stand down where he says like he goes. So Pike says uh, he gave his word because he's talking about the guy who's the bounty hunter that's going after them. Was he used to be a part of their group, and they see him off in the distance, and they're like, oh, he's coming after us, and they're kind of arguing. And he's like, but he, you know, he gave him his word; he has to. And he says, uh, you're only as good as the or like well, what, it's who you give it. Yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, it's who you give it to, Pike. Yeah, and, yeah, and, that, and granted, that like. Because like, that's the thing is for me, the Ernst Borgnine was probably my favorite character he's, here because he he's Ernst Borgnine. Yeah. He's great, and but he's also good in this. Like he's yeah, really he, good. That's the thing is he he's 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 sort of an outlaw, yeah. but he's he's got like his own sort of morals that he adheres to, and yeah. that's kind of where he drew the line. Saying he's like, look, I'm with you the whole time. Yeah, but I'm also like, you know, if someone says to give you their word, you, you know, you should give them their word. But right. also, it matters who you're telling that to. Yeah. So that was, and again, that was at the end after they he'd suffered like this immense loss. Like there's really yeah. no one left at that point. He had to get to that point to really get to that angry to make his point about it. You know. Yeah, I love that scene too. I, honestly, I think it's my favorite like verbal like the, talking in that whole movie is that scene because you're like. I think that's the that's that felt like the most weighted and and real one out of the yeah, whole movie. Yeah, you're like, dang right, man. That is true. It's all about who you give that word to. Uh, yeah, I really love that scene. Um, so I was going to say, we'll talk about the last, I think we all can generally talk about the last scene, but before we do that and talk about one other scene, uh, there's a scene. So the whole plot revolves around these guys, um, getting guns for this general who's fighting against Pancho Villa. And so the way they're going to do it is they're going to go onto this U S they're going to cross the border into America, go aboard this U S army train and steal a bunch of guns. The scene where they get the guns is pretty cool. That was a good scene. Where they like yeah. unhook the rail and then uh, it goes off, and then they bring the rail back down at him. That was that was like, oh, that's so genius. I don't know why I didn't think of that. But the one I'm thinking of is um, the bounty hunters are on the trail, and they had wired the bridge to blow uh, with like all the dynamite. Yeah. The the scene where they blow the bridge. And the guys are on the bridge, and the horses and the guys all fall into the water. My thought was like, was Peter around back then? Because I, I said, oh, those horses are dead. I yeah. had to look it up. Um, no horses were harmed in that wow, scene. I'm all shocked. of them were they weren't even hurt. There's also early in the movie too, aren't they? Like they're falling down like sand dune too, or something. Yeah, oh, they like, all practically the rolling. Like it like, looked. I couldn't. Yeah, again, no, like a lot. Of, you hear a lot of movies no, back then, but I'm shocked that yeah, I, they no said there was no one injured. I, I, I didn't fact check this, but I can. Most certainly assure you that some scorpions were absolutely oh, harmed yeah, that was in the insane. making of this film. Because there are several close-ups early on in this film of, of like kids that are watching and laughing as yeah, this violence. scorpion that they had tossed into a pile of red ants. It's just getting annihilated. And it's just, yeah, it's destroying all these red ants, but these red ants are overwhelming it. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, they didn't fake this. They're just yeah. like, ah, eh, who cares about insects? Yeah, it was an allegory for like... Because the whole movie is an allegory about, like, this is the end of that way of life. This, like, gunslinger, like, you're dead. Like, they even talk about it being the end at the end of the movie. But that scene, I had to look it up. And, yeah, no um, no one was harmed. No actors were harmed. No stuntmen. The stunt supervisor uh, told a guy, he gave him, like, a lead pipe. And he said, if anything's happening on the bridge and it looks like it's not going to work, hit the production assistant over the head with this because I don't want him hitting that dynamite and killing us. Oh my God. And so luckily none of that happened. And yeah, but he was about to, like he was going to do it. The guy said in his book, he's like, I was about to hit this guy over the head. Yeah, I think, obviously book. things were a little bit more loose. Back <laughs> yeah. The day there. yeah. Cause they, they, they were really scared of that scene. They're like, I don't know how to do this without killing us or the horses, but everybody fell in the water. Nobody got hurt. I don't know how they did the scene where they uh, did the somersault on the sand. Cause that was like, 
I, they might have just pushed the horses down because well, it was a not, pretty steep sand hill. So you can train horses to like fall down, but you can't train horses to somersault. But this also looked like the horses were struggling to even get up because yeah. they were still sliding with their own weight and yeah. everything. So I don't, know, I don't, I don't know what they did. I know they didn't harm any animals, or at least that's what it said in all the research I did. It was pretty common in the spaghetti westerns to harm animals, um, the horses especially. But not at this point in American um, westerns. They kind of got away from it. They would do this thing called a running W where they – so like anytime you needed a horse to do a somersault, you can't really teach them to do that. So the way you do it is you um, you like tie a rope to them, uh, to their leg, and then you just hold the rope and have them go full speed as fast as they can. And then the rope will eventually you know come back and they'll make them trip. And it almost always breaks their legs and they have to kill them. So that was a spaghetti western thing for in Italy and Spain. They would do that for a long time. So many actors stopped doing westerns there because of that. Thank God. Yeah, so just, I wouldn't want to. Work yeah, there. I wouldn't want to do it either. Yeah, a lot of them, a lot of very famous um, actors in that era left the spaghetti western because they didn't want to see the horses get hurt like that. Um, but so in Hollywood, it was very like, you know, not seen to have those horses hurt. But I don't know how they did that. But that scene was crazy. Uh, sorry to get off track, but let's talk about the final scene now, because I think we're going to talk about a big scene in this. So the final scene, the way this sets up is one of the members of their posse, in the weirdest way, he sees that his his like former his lover is with this general and shoots her dead like within the first half hour. And I was like, geez, that seems like a really big. Yeah, you felt really betrayed. Yeah, yeah and, like it was hard for me to care about him because I was like, he kind of shot him anyway. Um, He's a part of this, like, other village, and they're kind of rebels against this general. And he says, I'll help you guys, but I want a case of those guns to go to my rebel family. And they say, okay. And so they get the guns and everything, and everything's fine. And what they're doing is they're exchanging these guns a little bit at a time with this general so that they don't get, you know, they want to make sure that everything works well. And everything goes to plan, nobody gets hurt. So they're doing it, the last one goes, and it's uh, Dutch... And uh, this uh, character named Angel. Um, and Angel and Dutch are going to deliver the last round of guns. When they get there, the general has Angel arrested. And Dutch kind of just has to let him. Because they don't want to get everybody else killed. So he kind of lets Angel get uh, taken. And they torture the heck out of Angel. They, uh, I think they tie him to like a horse. Yeah, or they no, drag car. him. They yeah. time to a car. They drag him. Uh, they beat him. They basically yeah. torture him. Yeah, and they know that this is going to happen. So eventually, Pike and Dutch and the two brothers, they kind of decide, you know, we can't, we can't leave him. He's a bad guy. Like he did a bad thing. The reason why he even got caught was because the mom of the girl that he killed went and snitched on him to the yes. general. Uh, which I was like. I don't know. It kind of sounds like you got what you deserve, buddy. Like, yeah, you know? that's the thing is, it's, you know, and also he did kill a woman. It was that's kind of refreshing though, where I'm like, I don't have to like these people, you know, like they're not, they don't need to have redeemable qualities. Well, that and that's kind of what uh, I, I love. Well, not kind of, but what I liked about this movie is that it it was bleak and it wasn't trying to portray these people any way else than what they are, which is terrible. Yeah. Horrible people. Yeah. People. Not, yeah, yeah, not good guys. yeah. You were not going to be disappointed by this ending. Cause you're going to be like, well, whatever they have, it was probably coming to them. Yeah. Um, so anyway, angel gets taken, gets tortured and they decide we got to go back and get him. So the end scene is just, it's them strapping up, which is pretty sweet. They go out of like a whorehouse and then they strap up, get their shotguns and their, and their pistols. And they walk back into town in a really cool shot where it's like this weird tracking kind of shot. And the uh, scenery is like expanding around them. And there's people all like kind of half drunk lying around them while they're walking into the town with these shotguns. And they just look cool as hell. Yeah, they just look like outlaws ready to take <laughs> yeah, over the town. They look cool as hell, man. They come in and then, so they see the general 
and they tell him, uh, we want Angel. You know, we'll give you our, our, our portion, whatever. We want Angel. And so the general, like, gets Angel. He's like, okay, fine, we'll do it. And then he slits his throat <laughs> in front of them. And Pike shoots him, shoots the, the general dead. And that's a really cool part, too, where everybody's kind of frozen for a second. And even some guys, like, put their hands up, even though it's, like, 300 against four. Uh, and then just an insane shootout happens with the machine gun being used by basically everybody, all of the wild bunch, like everybody, um, all use it, gets killed at some point. Uh, Pike gets killed, Dutch gets killed, the two brothers get killed, uh, and they take down like everybody with them. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's it, the whole thing is because they wanted one last big hit before they sort of retire, mm-hmm. and now this became really their last little big hit. They, well, they decided that like the honor of protecting their group member was went above the final score yeah because they could have just left they could they were done they could have just left them and would have had a different life but they just couldn't let them go they had to go and get them yeah and then again that was a surprise too is i didn't expect that <laughs> this would end so on such a climax with just so Dude, much chaos and just that machine gun blazing guns there, explosions everywhere where he's like screaming pike and he's just like shooting everybody around him and Pike's getting shot by that one lady in the, the bedroom. and I don't know how other Westerns were around this time or how different this this was compared to others, but it just seemed like they... You know how some ways, like, when they... You know, when they, when like when CG first came out or when the big new thing came out that everyone started to use it and yeah. flex it? Like, this felt like it's like, oh, we got budgets for explosions, bullets. Well, they use... The editing style was crazy. Yeah, the it's editing is... is like, it's a lot different. Again, yeah. like, going... If you're comparing the two directly as we did, it's, it's, it's a bigger difference than you expect. Yeah. Because when I would think my perception of both of them beforehand, I thought they're going to be a little bit more similar because westerns, like you know, yeah. genres are they're genres so for a reason, right? Yeah. yeah. But you watch them, you like you see just how insanely different they are between the they two. They have the same kind of ending, except a completely different end. Exactly, <laughs> like- and I like both endings for you know, like for me, real Bravo, there were some instances where I was like, part of this, part of me didn't like the story because it was just like you know how it's going to end. Yeah. John Wayne's going to end up on top. He yeah. has to. Yeah. You didn't Wild know Bunch, about these guys. Yeah. Wild Bunch. Yeah. I, I didn't know where it was going to go because yeah. I really have no frame of reference, and it's like to see them, they basically all died. All died. Yeah. Everybody like, died at the end. It was a total, total shock. But again, th- I also really liked that ending for that reason. Me too. Me too. I thought it was really cool. It was mm-hmm. just crazy. So one thing I was going to talk about with that violence in the in the movie. So just reading here that Peckinpah said that you know he chose that movie or he chose to make the movie excessively violent for a lot of reasons. And one of them was the Vietnam War that was going on at the time. Like he was saying, you know, you see these violent images on the news, but you don't see it on in movies. And then another one, another reason that I think it's more interesting is uh, he said that it could be like a catharsis where like people could watch the violence and then not want to commit violence on their own. We live in a pretty violent society. Uh, do you think that his philosophy was true? Did it work? Or like, what do you think? What do you think his idea of th- like catharsis through violence? So here's the hard so- thing for me is I don't know what troubles people were having in 1969 yeah. compared to what we are. Yeah. Um, I doubt they had, you know, <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of issues going on. I don't know if there's things that they have that we do. So, from my perspective, it's hard to watch any movie or you know video game or whatever and feel like oh, I feel cathartic watching this. Yeah. Right? I don't. I, I don't necessarily feel violent in my personal life to begin with, so yeah. it's hard for me to kind of take that literally. Yeah, yeah, I get. I that. guess you could say it's cathartic because you know. But at the same time, for me, it's no one's a good guy or a bad guy here. They're all kind of awful people. Yeah. I guess what's cathartic is that they thin themselves out. So I guess from from my perspective, no, I don't think it's cathartic at all. He, maybe he was successful in other respects for how he directed it, yeah. but. 
for me, it I I didn't really read it that way. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm not really the catharsis through violence kind of guy. I'm pretty sure the only time I ever experienced that was when Jon Snow was pummeling the the bastard of Winterfell. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was that that was one that I literally used the word cathartic to describe, and that's might be the only time in a violent scene that I've done that. Yeah, oh, yeah, and I think that's different that because they're using the violence for catharsis. But I think Peckinpah is just like saying violence is catharsis, which is not. I agree with both of you. What is that? It's not. It's not really letting me. Well, well one thing I'll say is that Peckinpah eventually comes to the conclusion, no, and he and he says, in fact, it probably makes people more violent because <laughs> like now you like are thirsting. you're almost inciting it. Yeah, you're yeah. thirsting for it, right? You want to see that that throat slit. You heard about it from all your buddies. You want to see that guy get his throat slit. You know that kind of stuff. And, and I think for. Many of us, there's different ways you get, you know, you have a cathartic experience. Yeah. Right? It could be something literal, like you're watching something, it could be venting in some way. So, I guess for someone out there, maybe they'll watch this and <laughs> they feel cathartic, like, oh, yeah, like all that violence really got me or something. I don't yeah. know. I, I, it's hard for me to see that perspective, I guess. But, but I also don't think it necessarily influences more violence because we're, you know, despite what the news says and all the things you read, because we're so connected now, we're not as violent as we were before. Like on on the on the daily, like there was a lot more violence before in history than there is now. It, but that doesn't mean that it's good where we're at. We still got a lot of work to do. Yeah, for me, I feel like it's and we have of... a lot of violence in our media and our movies and our uh, TV. 100%. So and I don't games. think that that has much to do with it. I, I always kind of take that men in black kind of approach, where I think that like human a, a human yeah. these days is much more empathetic. Like you know, I think the like. A human humanity as itself is empathetic, but I think like the human race can be very unempathetic towards people. When well, people a are person more is re- smart, people are dumb, panicky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah kinda... People are more receptive, being empathetic and recognizing. So people. I think that no. like a person is less violent, but I feel like people are more violent in some ways. I feel like the violence. Well, I think that there's just easier ways to achieve violence. Yeah, and so I mean, I mean like literally like one person day. could have a machine gun. And, you know, they couldn't have done that in the 1800s. They had yeah. to get shot down after they run out of ammo immediately. Yeah, yeah. So this is one of Quentin Tarantino's favorite movies. Uh, he always lists it. Um, in, so in his book, The Cinema Speculations, he talks about seeing this as a double feature with Deliverance and, uh, and The Wild Bunch when he was 11. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I know. And he says, he says, I don't like to brag a lot, but when I'm saying that I saw Deliverance and Wild Bunch back-to-back when I was 11, I am bragging. <laughs> like, so, yeah, that, that explains a lot about him. Right? As a, uh, well, he was, and he was talking about the violence at the time. I think we see it, and we see how unrealistic it is in a lot of ways. And it's stylized violence, for sure. But he said, as a kid, seeing that in, in the 60s, he thought that guy really got his throat slit. Like, he thought for sure that happened. I can totally you know, see that, but yeah. it's just like when you're kids and you're watching horror movies. Yeah. There's some part of you that thinks it's real and makes it look realistic than it is. Then you watch it 20 years later, and it's like, oh, this is... This looks cheesy and stupid. Yeah, so for for the time, like you look back and you're like, well, that's obviously not real blood, and it, blah blah blah. But, but I can see this movie being really shocking back when then. When you're yeah, Com- yeah compared to 60s, what was out back then, absolutely. The late sixties, early seventies, yeah, it would have been a lot. Yeah. All right, so that is the Wild Bunch. Um, we already did our favorite scenes. We talked about our favorite line too, which I think is my fa- my favorite line of the movie. And but so I'm gonna go back a little bit for both of these movies, and we're gonna bring them all together to kind of finish up. So I got a couple of questions that are for like these movies as a whole um so one of the things is can we could you see yourself replacing any of the actors in any of these two movies uh with modern day actors and if you did like what what two what actors would you replace 
I know. I I was trying to think. I really only was able to think about Rio Bravo's mm-hmm. certain things. Like I was trying to think, like who could be a modern day John Wayne uh, substitute? Sure. It, and it's really tough because he did have a lot of particular qualities that you. It's hard to find now, and that's why. And and it was funny because I recall, Mike, you were talking about some people you came up with and and how they're like i guess i just kind of assumed a lot of the batman actors and uh and as i was going through my thought process i was like all right who's big and you know age appropriate yeah and could command that kind of intimidation and i'm like ah ben affleck and then i was just like ben affleck played batman yeah (laughs) yeah i was thinking about like a lot of older actors who could be in the Wild Bunch, like Jeff Bridges, like maybe not now, he's probably maybe aged out of it, but maybe like Jeff Bridges like a decade ago, like Woody Harrelson. Um, well, Jeff Bridges was in the um, that one True remake, Grit. yeah, True, True Grit. Grit. You know, it's crazy. True Grit came out in 1969 as well as when the Wild Bunch came out, and John Wayne won an Academy Award for Best Actor for that movie. So it's crazy that you can do like a John Wayne movie even ten years later and he's yeah full decade yeah. yeah. I and felt like if they did this twenty years later, we could have got Paul Newman in the lead role. Yeah, like around the uh, Color of Money era. Oh yeah, Paul yeah, Newman because yeah. he he reminded me of him so much. That, that's why it was yeah. hard to to think of actors for me because you my keep picturing them when they're much older. Well, that plus him. the frame rates I have, it's like you know, would you consider like Bruce Willis or you know Stallone's? Yeah, no. Of the I 80s to be Stallone, sort of like the real Bravo-esque John Wayne characters, right? I don't know about right? Stallone, per se, but he would be like one of them. Uh, Jean-Claude, obviously, could be one. Like, I think action That's stars I mean. of, a, of the 80s exactly. were, so, were the John Wayne's of their day. I sure. think the, the part of the main struggle is I was trying to think of someone who could fit that sort of Western archetype. Seagal kind of would have that. As much as I hate him. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, because his character was like that. He was supposed yeah. to be the singular, strong, badass, take one-man army kind of thing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Or the, the guy who always wins. Yeah. So it's just, it, it was hard for me to think of anyone like that because I, it's like I could frame these other guys as the same. But they're also in different movies that... Probably were influenced in some way by John Wayne movies. I said uh, Zac Efron as um, Ricky Nelson as, yeah. uh, as Colorado, and, and it's funny is that you know Zac Efron's probably maybe a little too old, too for old it at now. this point. Yeah, like it was well, like yeah. we're at that Zac, point now yeah, where Zac, Zac Efron, Efron might have aged out. Yeah, but he like, could have got. I could have seen him in that role because they're kind of the same person. Yeah, fresh off High School he, Musical. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, exactly, exactly. Maybe Neighbors era. And then any female actor because they didn't really do anything. They didn't flush her out much uh, at all. Which it wasn't even a female. I she mean, was just there. She she probably had I mean what maybe ten minutes out of the whole movie. Yeah, there were no <laughs> collectively. Like, There's basically no actresses in the. So Wild we'll Bunch. just say Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, she could do it. She would have been great at that. Um, all right, so as we wrap up, who was your favorite character throughout both movies, or favorite actor, even if you don't want to say the character per se? I was probably John Wayne to be honest. Yeah, it's kind of hard to to not say John Wayne because again, I really liked Carlos. I like Stumpy I for the reasons, yeah. right? They were they were fantastic characters and really enjoyable characters. But yeah. if you want to talk about a literal strong lead type, yeah, I it's like John Dutch Wayne. a lot in the uh, in the Wild Bunch. Uh, Ernest Borgnine's character, I like he he's, yeah, he was good. yeah he he was great. I liked him because again he was like your buddy that you could rely on and fall back on. Yeah, but also was, like yeah. when you get him to that we'll point to be pushed, he'll, yeah, he'll, he'll tell you what you need to hear. I'm, I'm with you. I like that a lot too. Yeah, he's a stand-up guy and he's gonna tell you how he feels when he needs to. You know? it, it was also funny because I had watched basketball about a month ago. Oh yeah, right? he's and in he, that. He man. was the the team yeah. owner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the hot dog. As I was watching him in Wild Bunch, there's Zima. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's also great in The Simpsons when he's like going on the rafting trip with yeah. uh, Flanders and everybody. So thinking like his his stuff in baseball and then yeah. watching Wild Bunch, it's just kind of made me laugh on watching like, it. Yeah, it's comedy. Yeah. yeah, it's very interesting to see him here. But I thought he was really good. He was great. Uh, Dean Martin, I thought was really good. And he was good. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing is, is um, I think nowadays we have 
problems with some actors or uh, excuse me, some musicians who get into acting and they're just terrible. Yeah. Dean Martin, pretty damn good considering he's yeah, just, he you know, he's an entertainer, but he was actually a pretty damn good actor in the good, movie. And good, yeah, good yeah. character growth. You really, you saw it all. He played it really well. Yeah, he had, probably to, play, had, he a, had to play a drunk alcoholic, which I'm sure he's you know really good at. Uh, yeah, he probably <laughs> some. He yeah. probably had some you know method, method acting. acting. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And this is what we were talking about before, and I was like, it was kind of an interesting time where someone like Dean Martin, who's you know he's famous as a singer, but he's also an A-list actor. And you don't really see that that often anymore, where they double. Like, yeah, yeah. There, there are some singers that have had roles, like you mentioned Lady yeah, Gaga. Yeah, he was and at everything. the top of his And game. I was saying, when was the last time Lady Gaga was the main character of a movie? Right. Like, that literally was born four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so probably not. <laughs> <Co-lead. laughs> Whatever. He, Co- he's, he's also the co lead. Yeah, he's had other movies where he was the lead. Yeah, okay, but I'm sure she's had some too. I anyway. think that goalpost is moving, Randy. All right, what about. Um, okay, so this is actually a good question that I was going to ask you guys. <laughs> Uh, kind of wrapping things. We'll up. review a Star is Born next. Yeah. <laughs> we'll I talk about the co-lead. Yeah. I've only okay. seen the Streisand and Christopherson one. So, uh, yeah. Streisand that co-lead. <laughs> um, okay, so westerns were like a staple from basically the beginning of cinema up through the seventies and maybe into the eighties. But I would say they're pretty rare these days. Not rare in that you never see them, and we know that they make a lot of like B versions. But I mean, like the actual A list uh, western. Why do you think they're so rare these days? What do you guys think? There was a very large oversaturation of them for a very long time. So, th- honestly, the genre itself kind of screams old man, old person movie. Yeah. I think people have just evolved beyond the the style of western because even in these both both these movies, right? You had the yeah the male you had the the male leads. You had all the awful men in there. You had women just literally getting beaten. Yeah. And you know, groped and assaulted. So I think. And loving it. Well, yeah, exactly. They were all, yeah, yeah they were they loving back then, yeah, apparently. So I think that wouldn't age well. Not that they would have to do that in modern movies anyway, yeah. but I think Westerns just, they, you know, they just have that sort of connotation of being a slow well, movie. I was thinking of these two things, too. I was thinking of, think about when these Westerns started to get made, probably in like the third, well, you know, 20s and 30s especially, they had them. That was only... 50 years it wasn't yeah, you're, far since, off the actual you're, you're watching it and you're being like that was my grandpa right yeah there. yeah yeah exactly so it's like us watching world war ii movies and things like that but i also think maybe the single biggest reason is budget that like i said the, if you wanted to make an action movie western's the way to go mm-hmm. large plot of land build a small yeah. little town set and go ham and you with could it. do it in you don't any need desert to do that now with need. all these studios yeah. and what they got well you know what i'm thinking too the other reason i think they're not as popular is uh, Dirty Harry. I think those are westerns. Like John well, Wick is a western. Yeah, the you know, westerns like, evolved in other genres. In a modern western. Yeah, you don't need exactly. to make mm-hmm. a western anymore because you can set it in an urban setting. And in a they, you know, it's like I said, they still make westerns. You just you don't never see them hyped up unless there's a huge, huge A list actor in. Or there. they've been turned into the modern setting of a western because yeah. there's a lot of those movies. Like a solo preceded thirteen is a remake of Rio Bravo in almost every way. And it's set in a modern time. So I think that's another thing is that they haven't gone away. Yeah, but they it's not traditional ev- Western. They've evolved into yeah, a new evolved. art form. Yeah, yeah, because you've got remakes like True Grit or yeah, uh, True Grit to Yuma. Yeah, they all made it which, a lot of money. Which I enjoyed both of those. And like I said, there are, mo- there are Westerns that I enjoy, but a lot of them are, 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 are more recent because 
they know that, okay, our audience doesn't need to see this long shot of yeah. nothing happening. They they need they need more good casting and what, more character I think that's the thing, too, is Westerns have to really heavily depend on a really good story now because you yeah. can't get away with the action scenes, the action scenes and everything else. Because there's, yeah. there's, I see a lot of you know big-name actors. like It's kind of funny. Nicholas Cage was in a Western mm-hmm. to actually want to see. I think it's called The Old West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Who's the guy who played Magneto in the X-Men movies? Um, Ian uh, McKellen? Or are you talking about... Uh, young Magneto. Oh, no. Uh, oh, gosh. I know you're talking about. Yeah, it's driving me nuts yeah. now. It's going to bug me. But he was in a movie recently. I think it was called like High Noon or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a lot of good ones. There was one... I uh, Magnificent Seven was probably the most prolific Western, I think, that came on the last few years. Oh, with, But that uh, was not good. Yeah, it had like... Yeah. I think Denzel was yeah, in there. Like, yeah, that crashed and, and burned It was hard, terrible. It? Yeah. yeah. I think I might have watched it and... I watched it. It might have been it. more of a blur than The Wild Bunch I saw part story. of it and it, I couldn't get into it. It just... It was not good. Yeah, I didn't like the Lone much. Ranger was terrible. Oh, yeah, that was terrible. I forgot about that movie. Yeah. All right, so it's coming to the end and we're going to talk about this, which is... Which of the two were your favorites? So, Randy, which one would you recommend? You have to, I mean, you could recommend both, but if you had to recommend one, which one? If I had to recommend one, it would be Rio Bravo. Yeah, Bravo. Why? Yeah. Um, just because the, the plot is a lot easier to follow. It's a more contained story. You're getting a good glimpse into what Westerns were like back then. And despite its length, it didn't feel its length, particularly to me. And I, I can't really tell you why. But for some reason, like, you know, when I check to see how much time is left, and I'm just thinking, wow, two hours already went by? Yeah. Okay. It kind of felt like this is a kind of movie that, like, most movies are of that era are like. So right. I just, I have to, it's, you know, it's par for the course. Like, it, and, it, and it had a lot of different things going for it. It had some pretty good dialogue exchanges. There was some, like, Stuppy was an excellent comic relief character. Yeah, he's great. He, he is just Stumpy. so endlessly funny at all times. Him constantly feeling like he's being left out of the loop. Yeah. Like, well, why didn't anyone tell me that? Yeah, yeah. Why didn't yeah, anyone yeah. tell me these things? Yeah, you know that. that and was he's like great complaining while he's walking away. Like, ah, and then you, you had the character like Carlos, and he's having this exchange with John Wayne that that's reminiscent to like a who's watered on? down who's on first yeah. routine. Mm-hmm. So good, and it's just so great. Oh, it's a new idea. So it really it you know it it just hits all the all the right notes for me. Yeah. What about you, Don? So I was initially prepared. Uh, like my initial reaction was like I think I like Wild Bunch better because I thought the pace of it, at least with the action scenes, was a lot stronger than Rio Bravo. Yeah. But after thinking about it more, and um, it quickly became obvious that Rio Bravo was the better movie. Yeah, I think overall better. Overall, because and I think objectively because for one, the story was a lot more focused. It was easier to I don't want to say easier to follow, but it made sense with. All the scenes there, like it was like I always can say it's a longer movie, but it wasn't offensively long. It was yeah. just a couple of things I could trim, but it it was a it was a good movie all throughout. Yeah. Whereas Wild Bunch, it was a really up and down movie, right? It kind of had its it had its, its really big peaks with the action scenes, explosions, all good stuff. Then it would kind of bottom out to when they're in the Mexican village, and it's just you know they're yeah. they're like having a party the entire time. Out for with like, all the I swear to God, for like thirty minutes, yeah, they're yeah. all like hanging <laughs> out, getting really naked, stuff. Yeah. Like they're shooting these barrels of like a beer or oh, wine yeah, and yeah, showering yeah. it. Like there was a lot of scenes that yeah, that was crazy. I think they should have trimmed versus you know that that ended up hurting the movie more mm-hmm. than it helped it because I guess the intent was this is sort of like everyday life for them. This is what they're doing as they're kind of hiding out and reassessing their plan and everything. Yeah. Whereas Rio Bravo was, I knew how it was going to end. It's a John Wayne movie, but it's a lot more focused and it was overall more entertaining just because it was a slow burn, but it was a much more interesting slow burn. And I, I, I would say probably the, now that I'm thinking about it, now that I've processed my thoughts more, as I'd say the single biggest reason for me is that it was really easy to root for who you're supposed to root for in Rio Bravo. That's true too. Um, 
you know, the dude, you're rooting for him to overcome his alcoholism. Stumpy, you're, you're rooting for him to survive so he can say something hilarious a few minutes later. And then you have the character that John Wayne plays. And and it's pretty obvious this guy... <laughs> this guy, at numerous points in this movie, could have just been like, this is not worth it. This isn't worth my life, his life, their, his life. Mm-hmm. He has so many outs, but he's still... Choosing to do the right thing, choosing to hunker down until the U.S. Marshals arrive. Yeah, it's uh, the wild bunch. Like I said, I appreciated how it ended because yeah. I didn't expect it. Was a cool, it. it was a cool end. And, yeah. and the action scenes were like insane. They like, were. Some of them were just crazy. It's just all of that doesn't culminate to a better movie than than Real Bravo was. Yeah, yeah. And I think they're they're both good in their own ways. And I think that like what the symbolism and style of Wild Bunch is really good. Uh, really interesting choices and like the end is just awesome you, you don't really expect it and it's so cool the way it's shot the way it's done that perspective when they're shooting down at the soldiers with the machine gun while they're firing back yeah, at them you could tell here that cinematography was a lot more yeah Peckinpah was really folk, like going or, for it like, yeah it was, it was a lot really, more intentional than, than Real Bravo was yeah and there's a lot of new like tricks at the time too so he got, could use a lot of different aspect ratios and there's times where they, like, they shoot things at different time like time frames so like sometimes they're like 120 a second 60 a second 80 a second you know those kind of those frames a second yeah. You could see in those slow mo shots and stuff they do. Wait, what was, didn't you have the budgets on here? What was the budget yeah. between the two? Six million dollars for Rio Bra. Or sorry, no, for for Wild yeah. Bunch. So so check that out. Just a difference. One point five. In, yeah, for, yeah. One, it was Rio one point. It made less. Uh, jo- well, it was more successful at the box office per capita, like you know, with inflation. Uh, Rio Bravo, but it was made for a fraction of the budget. Exactly. That, so about less than a, almost a fifth of the budget of Wild yeah. Bunch, which. That alone tells you a, a lot well, what they could afford like, with an extra $5 million. Right after this, Peck and Paul makes the movie Straw Dogs, which is like also insanely violent uh, with Dustin Hoffman. And that also, that also had a pretty similar budget. So it's interesting that he did that twice. I think it's it, you could really just inform that, you know, uh, Real Bravo walked so Wild Bunch could run. Yeah. Really, right? Cause very similar movie with very different endings. Exactly. Same, uh, 10 same years idea. apart, $5 million apart. That's pretty insane. Yeah. You could tell Packing Paul was like, just screw the, screw the, you know, what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I have to go with you guys too. I think Real Bravo was the uh, better movie of the two. So with that said, yeehaw, we had a rootin' tootin' Western episode of the Hollywood Video Guys podcast. Randy, Don, anything you guys want to say before we uh, shut it down today? No, just uh, thank you for the rootin' tootin', good hollering, good time we had here. Yeah. Yep, H- had a great time, so giddy up, cowboys, yeah. let's get going. Get along, little doggies. We will see you on the next time on the Hollywood Video Guys podcast. Purple in the canyon, that's where I long to be. Good companion, just my rifle.